Hey, uh, my daddy watched this thing on TV the other night, and it was on the Bermuda Triangle. Have you ever heard of that? The Bermuda Triangle? Yes. That is a bunch of pseudoscience. No, what's that? Pseudoscience is false information. Oh, but, but it looked like it looked real. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's real. So they talk about missing planes and yeah. missing boats. Yeah. But if you took a random sampling of anywhere on the earth, it has virtually the same rate of missing planes and missing boats. It's just bad luck. Uh, but what about, what about the lights they see in the sky? Uh, yeah, unidentified flying objects. Yeah. Anything that you cannot identify is unidentified. But it doesn't mean that it's a you alien or something like what, that. What about the pilot? There's that, way more plausible explanations. Well, I guess my mommy is right. I should grow up and stop believing in fairy tales. Oh, oh, I got, I gotta go. Why? Because it's six o'clock. It'll be dark soon. So what's wrong with the dark? Uh, duh. There's monsters in the dark, Bigfoot, the clown, it, all kinds of things. I gotta get out of here. Okay. See you at daycare tomorrow. Okay. Bye-bye. Mm, I call that selective skepticism. Quiet your mind. Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis. Welcome to Dawn of Mantis, the random podcast with a random name. Dawnofmantis.com. If you want to check us out on the web, we're sponsored. One of our sponsors, our only sponsor, but that's okay, <laughs> is dadsuggest.com. Fatherly thoughts on books, board games, and more. Check it out. They have weekly updates on their website. Joe, yes, how's sir. it going? There's nothing wrong with two... 40-year-old dads hanging out in a shed at 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night, baby-talking into microphones. You know what it sounded like to me? It sounded like you thought I said, hey, is there anything wrong with you? No, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> I'm fine. What did you hear? <laughs> it's skeptical. Hey, this is a good skeptical episode. But before we get to the, the vile vortices research, yes. last uh, the, yesterday we had some vile vortices around this area yeah. with some tornadic activity. We are in the Bible Belt. No, even worse, also, we are in uh, Tornado worse. Alley. <laughs> we are in Tornado Alley, and that sometimes can be crazy. Um, and last night there, there was some touch. There were some touchdowns and some, uh, but I guess I ain't I, talking I, about football. I, I guess I haven't heard of any injuries or anything like that. <clears throat> there was an incredible, if you, if you know, if you ever watched the show storm chasers, there's the guy named Reed Timmer. He's kind of like the most famous storm chaser right now. I yeah. Think. He's in Oklahoma. He based in Oklahoma. Yeah. Right? But he, he posted, he didn't take it, but he posted, he said, this is the best. Uh, drone footage I've ever seen of a tornado and it's like a four minute long video but it's very mesmerizing and it's uh, a tornado that touched down in sulfur Oklahoma yesterday and it's and it's like tracking it for four minutes and it's probably less than a football field away from it and it's it's pretty it's pretty cool because and it's not even a large tornado I mean I mean it's it's it went by some pretty large oak trees and it made you know five or six oak trees wide you know like a 
mature oak trees. I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty large. Yeah. But um, the cool thing about the drone footage is it's up pretty high, and then you see every once in a while you see this chunk of debris, and it's like I said, it's like a football field away from it or further um, at some points. But this, it's still throwing debris out even at that far. Like, that's and it goes like right crazy. in front of the camera. It's like whew, it that's goes by. Crazy. So uh, yeah, be safe out there. This it's uh, you know this is for real because because I'm just thinking well. You know, somebody might run out on their porch and say, hey, look, a tornado. Let's just watch it. But I'm I'm not kidding you. Some of these things that flew by this drone, they were really booking it. And if that hit you, it wouldn't be good. No. It would, it would <laughs> I'm no scientist. But you <laughs> uh, don't want hit with those. I was watching the news this morning, and, and, you know, they were showing footage of all the debris. And I was telling you before, but they were interviewing this one guy. <laughs> and they were calling for large hail and so he has this big, nice fifth wheel camper trailer thing. So he puts it in his barn. They were interviewing him. He's like, "Yeah, I put it in the barn. Didn't want it to get hailed on. Turned on, you know, turned out it didn't hail, but a tornado hit the barn <laughs> and destroyed the barn and the and the camper. So he was, he said that, that plane kind of backfired. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I should have left it out yeah. away from the barn. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, right? Yeah. yeah, so that's why we're podcasting on a Wednesday night instead of a Tuesday night. Because yeah. uh, now, not exactly where I live, it was pretty calm here last night. Mm-hmm. But I think where you live, like yeah. seven miles from me, even got it worse. Right? Yeah, yeah, we're a little bit west, and you know, just a little bit south, and you know, it just it went over us, but then it went north of you. Um, but my wife, um, and she and she would tell you this: she is not messing around with the storms. Right? She will call all our family members. And uh, she called her dad one time um, and, hey, where are you? It's about to storm. He's like, well, I'm headed to Lowe's to get some things. Why? Well, because I need these things. Well, you need to come home right now. He's like, well, I will after I get the things I need. You yeah. know, he, he's like, you know, it's not a big deal to him. But yeah. she would call every one of her family members. Where are you at? What You know, what's your plan? Um, yeah. And she's like. You know, I'm trying to watch something on Netflix. What? What are you having on Netflix? Put it on the weather. It's like, well, I can put it on a Storm Chasers show. No, 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 no. no, no, no. What's What's Darby Bybee have to say yeah, about this? Exactly. That's yeah, what I yeah. want to know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I gauge on how severe the weather is uh, according to my wife's little niece or cousin. Either one, I don't know. Uh, Lindy, she's like, I don't know, 14 or 15, but. She she's gonna be, I swear, like a little meteorologist. Yeah. When she grows up, because she's all about that stuff. And I'll get a, a text from her, or my phone will ring, and it's her, and she's like, all these terms that I really don't know. So this for <laughs> the front's coming down, and the, there's a vortices here, and this and that, and yeah. you better look at and seek shelter. And I'm just like, okay. So I just pretty much wait for her yeah. to call me. <laughs> you you know, I was bad. thinking about this, and someone someone uh, in the know, you know, more than us would know this, but. You would think eventually with computing power and AI and all that stuff, you would think eventually, I mean, weather, weather prediction is all about data. You know, um, you know, they take ground temperature, they take air temperature, they take moisture, they take barometric pressure, and they all put this in a formula and then they make weather forecasts based on that. But you think eventually, because that's a lot of data and there's a lot of variables, but I don't know. I'm saying like a hundred years in the future or something. There's got to be some kind of system that could take even more data at even more places and even better, you know, scans than what we have now. And I don't know that weather will always be so 
unpredictable. Right. I think the ability to predict it will actually be leaps and bounds of where it is now. I, I think that it will be something where like Tuesday, you know, there's a 80% chance of a tornadic, tornadic activity in this area. And not like they do now. They do this thing called Torcon now, which is kind of new. It's conditions for tornadoes. And they tell you, you know, your area is like, you know, you're an eight. So be ready Friday night. You know, it might hit. It might hit. Okay. But I, th- I would think eventually you could get enough data. Um, because things that happen in the sky, I mean, it's not just that everything's unpredictable. I don't know. I just I was thinking that one day. Well, it has to be. I mean, all they need to do is get Helen Hunt to get back together with her ex boyfriend. <laughs> to put the and get put the yeah. And I think I think they've done that. I think they put you know sensors in tornadoes and things like that before. Really? Um, yeah, but I just think there's going to be breakthroughs and people are going to figure out how to you know. Yeah, that was a Twister reference in case. Yeah. Anyways. Oh yeah. Anyway, That's go ahead. I, I haven't movie. caught it. But pretty yeah. good movie. I love yeah. that movie. Yeah. So anyway, I just, I just thought I'd throw that out there. What's, hey, so uh, yeah, that's what's been happening here. And uh, man, it's just the beginning. And that's yeah. why we're in Cellar Top Studios because no, underneath right. us is a big it ass the cellar. cellar. Yeah. We might do a <laughs> podcast from Cellar Bottom Studios. <laughs> that's Studio B. Tonight we're a bottom uh, <laughs> in the, you know, in the Next. studio. Okay, Vile Vortices. So. <laughs> Tonight we're going to be talking about the Bermuda Triangle. What do we know about the Bermuda Triangle, Joe? <laughs> Uh, quite a bit and nothing at the same time. Right. I don't know. I, I, I was trying to that, sound how, cool. pr- you know, the reason why I said nothing is he really got me kind of speechless because <laughs> it's like, man, that's pretty profound yes. right there. Okay. So before we get into this, is that, is do that, we know as much as we think we know? No, we don't. Or do we know we even less than we think we ever knew? <laughs> That's like one that of those. One. That's one of those sayings that like doesn't even mean anything. It didn't, right? What, I was just throwing words in that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, is everything good with you? We're all good. You're all. Oh good? yeah, yeah. Since, oh yeah, everything's good since we last hung out. Yeah, cool. yeah. Everything's everything's rolling right along. Right. All right. We're still here. We're good. Are we getting into this now? Well, let's do it. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's I think you were like that's what I was trying let's, to do all ago. Let's go right into the middle of the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. Located in the Atlantic Ocean just east of Florida, the Bermuda Triangle is by far the most famous of the vile vortices. Uh, many writers have given different boundaries to the area, some stretching as far as the Irish coast, but it's generally agreed that the triangle covers roughly 1.5 million square miles. To date, dozens of aircraft and boats have disappeared in the area, never to be seen again. One of the Triangle's most infamous cases occurred in 1945 when a squadron of U.S. Navy bombers became disoriented while flying over the area and were never seen or heard from again. Yeah. Well, so, listen, equipment failures, running out of fuel, headwinds, when you count it on a tailwind. I mean, I'm I'm going to... I'm <laughs> Headwinds when you count it on a tailwind. Yeah. That Isn't sounds that like the a, way life goes? It sounds like a southern... Like a kind of like a southern rock song, right? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a uh, what's his name? Sounds like something someone it's named a, Barry would drink a natty light to. <laughs> it's a Bob Seger song that was never <laughs> against the headwind. <laughs> I keep flying against the headwind. <laughs> oh, that's good, man. I love it. We're going. We're off to a strong start. 
I'm feeling good. Uh, but strange occurrences were being attributed to the area long before 1945. Supposedly, Christopher Columbus himself, while on his first voyage to the New World, wrote of seeing a great flame of fire crashing into the sea one night. He also described erratic readings from his compass and a strange light appearing in the distance a few weeks later. Mm. First off... Venus. Yeah. So we're going to like... If you're really into the Bermuda Triangle, we're gonna we're gonna show both sides. Yeah. So don't get all butt hurt if we debunk a few things or you know come yeah. on people. Yeah. Uh, first off, the compass. Uh, its strange behavior could be that at that time, this general area was one of the few places on Earth where true north and magnetic north lined up. This is called magnetic declination. I think you probably knew that somehow. No, I mean I knew true and <clears throat> magnetic. I didn't know that they both. Lined up. That's interesting. Supposedly in this area. Yeah. Um, Magnetic declination means the compass needle aligns with magnetic north while the northern star aligns with true north. Uh, As for the flame of fire crashing into the sea, well, that's a good possibility that this was a meteor. This area has a higher than normal frequency of meteors during September, and the sightings were reported to be in September. Uh, But back to the compass anomaly, uh, it doesn't even matter. That this was, I know, right? Oh, I had to I pause you, and turn the page. No, it's okay. Did you think I was pausing for dramatic effect? Yeah. Yeah, no, I was just trying to turn the page on my notes. Yeah. That's the first time this has ever happened in, in 43 No, it's okay. Episodes. It's just funny the way you put it. It doesn't even but matter. But it doesn't even matter. It's like you're quitting. It's like, none of this matters. I quit the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Chris D'Elia <laughs> has a really funny joke that my wife quotes it all the time. She cracked up whenever. It's just about drunk girls and how they talk. It doesn't even matter. Oh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. we say that yeah. to each other all the time. <laughs> so it doesn't even matter about the compass anomaly. It doesn't even matter if this was legitimately unexplained phenomena or not, at least as far as the legend of the Bermuda Triangle is concerned, because it didn't even occur in the Bermuda Triangle. It was way out in the middle of the Atlantic. Columbus didn't actually enter the Bermuda Triangle until early October. These mm. are these are details that a lot of people leave out. When sure. It, when you're trying to attribute weirdness or strain, high strangeness into the Bermuda Triangle, that stuff didn't even occur there. It was, it was not even close. Yeah, so if you... If you countered every coincidence with something that wasn't so glamorous or wasn't so coincidental, you know, yeah. it, it, that would take the thunder out of a lot of these things, you know? Yeah. And I, it's not as fun. I know. I it's know. not. I, I don't like it either. I mean, whenever I let facts roll into my brain <laughs> and they ruin something for me, it's not fun. No. But, you know, you get to a point to where you're like, you just kind of think of this, like, do you like being lied to? Do you like someone to sit right in front of you and say, tell you it's north when it's really south? You know, no, something like that. I, for one, don't. Yeah, well, me too. <clears throat> That's two of us. I don't know about the rest of the <laughs> world. But it, it's we rarely think of that and relate it to, like, some of these conspiracy theory things and some of these pseudoscience things. We rarely think, you know, eh, this is pretty cool. But really, really, when you read on those sites... They're lying to you yeah. because they're leaving out information. I, you know, <clears throat> I didn't have like superb moral leadership when I was a kid, but I would say that somewhere an old grandpa told a little kid like, well, if you leave out information, that's lying. Yes. Because, because it is. Yeah. You know? Whoa, man. What's that? There's a saying that goes to that. Like withholding information is tantamount to to yeah. deceiving there's, or something like well, that. Well, I mean there's I mean in our uh in our like code of uh 
criminal code or whatever. Like you can, you can be held. I think there's some lines of, and we'd have to look this up, but I think there's some part of perjury. There's some, you know, perjury law or whatever. Right. If, offense. It, I'm to, not great with law and stuff like that, but basically you withheld information. Um, and not that's not I plead the fifth thing. It's just like you started talking about something and you skipped over something. I think you can be, I think it's hard probably to prove, but yeah, you know. yeah. Anyway, I agree. Legal stuff, <laughs> it doesn't interest me. Almost like business stuff. Yeah. Um. You know what I find really funny? It has nothing to do with this. Uh, who gives a shit? I was <laughs> I was watching a court <laughs> show and there's always a thing where a guy stands up. He's like, he's a murderer. He's a murderer, and he starts yelling, and the the judge is up there, like beating the crap out of that little wooden thing with order, the gavel. Order. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, isn't okay. So take a step back. Isn't that incredibly funny? We're like a civilized society. You know, we're supposed to be so civilized, but when it comes to the point where someone talks out of turn, they're drug out of court, and a guy's beating on a piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, and he's did it like fifty times. Yeah, it's it to me. It sounds it's almost like a chimpanzee or whatever. I know. Yeah. Be quiet! I'll keep hitting this. Yeah, I don't know why I said it like an old lady, but yeah, <laughs> Judge old Judy, lady chimpanzee, <laughs> Judge Judy. Yeah. I actually like Judge. Judy. I do too. She's, uh, a, she's it, a straight I, shooter. I recommend watching on Netflix. The Norm Macdonald has a show, an episode where he interviewed Judge Judy. It's it's a very neat interview. Really, and also somebody else interviewed her, and she oh. Uh, Letterman, maybe. I watched it on YouTube. Oh, my, I, I like her a lot. Guest? Well, not on that, I don't oh, okay, think. Okay. But I think he did. I think just on the on his talk show. Okay. She she's a neat lady. She really is. She's pretty cool. Hey man, no yeah. argument from me. Yeah. Anyway. She's a straight shooting gal. She don't put yeah. up with no guff. <laughs> <laughs> Another infamous tragedy occurred in March of nineteen eighteen. Ooh, that's just days before my dad was born. The USS Cyclops, a five hundred and forty two foot long Navy cargo ship with over three hundred men and ten thousand tons of manganese on or on board, sank somewhere between Barbados and uh, Chesapeake Bay. They was- probably ran into something. Cyclops, no depth perception. <laughs> Oh, that's hundreds of feet away. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's, that's such a dad joke. That's so, it's such a dad joke. Did you say bad joke or dad no, joke? No, I said dad. <laughs> the Cyclops never sent out an SOS distress call, despite being equipped to do so, and an extensive search found no wreckage. President Woodrow Wilson later said, Only God in the sea know what happened to the great ship. No one ever saw Cyclops again with their eyes or eye. In 1941, two of the Cyclops' sister ships similarly vanished without a trace along nearly the same route. Go ahead. You're thinking. Does have their names? <laughs> no. I was trying to think of funny names for the sister I know. Triclops and Biclops. Oh. Bike. Oh, anyway. I'm not going down that road. <laughs> what do you say about Biclops? No, nothing at all. I'm sure that was What does Biclops do? <laughs> Oh, there were more cases of ships, boats, and planes vanishing in the region, but the first time the specific patch of ocean between the coast of Florida and the island of Bermuda was pointed out as a perilous and mysterious part of the world was in an article published in several American newspapers in 1950. 
It named five strange occurrences in which a total of one boat, nine planes, and 135 people had vanished without a trace. Yeah. This is what seems to have really started the public's interest in the mystery. A couple of years later, a paranormal magazine written by George Sands was the first to assign its triangle shape using Miami, Bermuda, and Puerto Rico as the three points. Mm. I don't know why I said it like that. Another article published in the pulp fiction magazine The Argosy and written by Vincent Gaddis was the first to coin the term Bermuda Triangle. It covered many of the same disappearances as previous articles, but embellished the stories wildly, with seemingly made-up quotes and figures thrown in to spice up the narrative. This, too, would greatly attribute to the Triangle's legend, and before long, it was hard to tell fact from fiction regarding the reported happenings there. You gotta sell that Pulp Fiction. (laughs) You gotta sell it. That's a good movie. It is a good movie. I don't know you weren't talking about that, but that's a good movie. No, but it is, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say... um, it's kind of easy when you're typing like 32 died to put down, you know, 132, you know? Why not? Yeah. Yeah, 132. Yeah. I caught a fish this big. Like, it's so easy. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's a, it was a Pulp Fiction. Fiction. It was a, you know what I mean? It was a yeah. Pulp Fiction magazine. So it wasn't exactly the New York Times or, or I mean, that was back when the New York Times had maybe a little more clout. I don't know about anything now. Yeah. The world's yeah. so gosh darn topsy-turvy turned upside down you can't trust anything it's all yeah. fake news i'll tell you this this i can tell you it's all fake news well so here's what i'd say to that people that buy into the fake news and and they just hear that statement they're like yeah it is fake it's not like they're going and they're digging they're looking at the cited sources and they're trying to like see if there's you know any factual you know, evidence. Right. They just hear that term and they're like, Oh, it's, it's lies. I knew it. It's like, you don't know it just because someone said it. I mean, everyone that gets on that soapbox can go and read and research. And I'm not the world's best about that either. But I mean, I will say that I have on social media been, I've donated some, donated some of my time to actually look at some pretty crazy articles and then find where, you know, Snopes it where it's like, you know, that's not true. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. Um, so here's the deal. You folks that are on social media, have you ever noticed, like if you look up, uh, let's say paving stones for your patio, you look that up on Google, mm-hmm. you go to Lowe's. Yeah. And then when you go to Facebook or whatever you're on over there on the side in the ads, it's got uh, paving. It's got things related to that in the ads. It's all algorithms. Everything you everything you search, yeah. all your information is pimped out by it Facebook. Is. It, it literally is. is. They know everything about you. They judge. Uh, it's all. It's all your information. And so, <clears throat> these algorithms, when they pick up something, when you can Google something, like my Google search on a whatever subject, might be different than yours. Sure. Because of based on all my previous Google searches and what I've put on whatever. So that's a really unhealthy thing. Like back in the day, there was only a couple of sources where people got there and it's Walter Cronkite. Mm-hmm. And if Walter Cronkite said it, then by God, that's yeah. what happened. And that's yeah. the way it was. And Walter Cronkite, by the way, wasn't he didn't have a dog in the fight. Sure. He just was like, this shit happened today and yeah. this happened and that's oh, yeah. what happened. Yeah. And then but now you can literally you can you can find a, a source that will tell you that Donald Trump is the savior of America 
and is the greatest thing since sliced bread. Or you can find a source that tells you he needs to be impeached and he's the, the Antichrist. You could have done the same for Obama. You know, it's just insane. It's pretty well, dangerous. What I think what I think about Trump is it's very easy to me, and this is as political as we've ever gotten, but this but this is really easy for me. You can read the things that he says, and then you can step back and you can think like, okay, that's an adult. Is that the way you're supposed to talk <clears throat> right. about people to people? Is are should you tweet out these things? Right. I mean, so that way because it is a, it is a tough time because you're getting the spin from other people, you're getting it from the left, you're getting it from the right. But but you can now I know you're not supposed to judge people, but he's our president. I mean, <laughs> you you should make up your mind if you think he's an all right dude and he's doing and he's and he you want him to be the leader of us, right? Right. So, you can just look at what he says. And especially this is an old old saying and and, and it rings true. You can judge someone how good a person they are when things are going wrong for them. When things are going right, I mean, of course, anyone's going to have a chance to be happy-go-lucky and nice and, you know, a good person. Yeah. But then find someone that's dealing with adversity and for whatever reason, maybe he's brought it on himself, maybe he hasn't. But look at stuff that he says publicly not just says stuff that he tweets because that's like written, and I, I, you know, not not I'm not even trying to get political. I'm really just on a moral stand right now. I I don't think it's good for our country because I think people see how he acts, like young people, and sees you know how he just like he's like your drunk uncle that'll just say anything. <laughs> we don't need a country of that. We no. I mean you can say you can speak your mind. But you shouldn't all the time be lashing out at people and you shouldn't be throwing people under the bus and you shouldn't be he's he brags, he throws people under the bus, you know. It it's 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 just morally and then obviously, you know, the grabbing comments and the you know, the just his what his sons say and do. I don't know. It's you know, pol- politics be one thing moral ground and and that's we should have someone in you know we should have someone in that position that won't cross certain lines i mean i know that's what people like about them well i'm i may be just parroting far more intelligent people that i've heard talk about it but i've i've you know sam harris had a guest i can't remember what the what his name was but you know he was talking about Everyone's hung up on Trump, but what's even more dangerous is the system that gave us Trump. Like even oh, yeah. Trump will be gone in a few years. Yeah, but that's the system's true. still going to be that's there. That's true. That's yeah. what's really scary too. Yeah. No, that's yeah. You're right about that. Uh, so anyway, I don't want. I don't know. We got it. We ended up on politics for. Some yeah. Time. Well, I mean, that's <clears throat> and and to me, that's not even politics. That's you know, he's a leader, and any leader you want them to to not lash out you they they should be the one of the calmest people in the room. Right, right. So I've heard people say like whether you liked Obama or not, at least he was he was measured. That's right. He was That's always right. measured and he thought about what he and said. And there's things politically that he that he did that I could bash that oh, yeah, I, sure, I didn't agree sure. with that. Right. Yeah. Um but I mean I'm not even getting there. Right. I can't even I I'm that's scratching the surface and the first thing is how you are as a family man and how you are like how you interact with people and how you address other people. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. 
it's just it's just too much and and i just hope that it doesn't get in people's heads that's how you should treat other people um because you know i don't see a lot of kindness there and you know the older i get the more i'm about like let's be kind i mean you could laugh about stuff and you know if you find something ridiculous make some jokes about it in in good company and move on but let's not lash out so much i like what you said about you know, someone showing their true colors and adversity. That's true. Uh, I saw a good quote the other day. This is more a relationship though, but it said the monster they became at the end, you know, when you let, when it, when it didn't work out was actually who they were the whole time. That's right. Yeah. That's, they were really yeah. that monster, but the monster didn't come out because they were getting what they want. That's the, right. The person shows their true colors when they, yeah, when, when things don't yeah. go great and they get, yeah. they don't get what they want. Yeah. Then you get whiny and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah. Which okay. I, look, I'm not saying I'm a bowl of sunshine. No, when me life either. Is going bad. Me either. But you know, but I'm, you know, I think I snap back pretty fast, and I'm yeah. and I don't grab the phone and start start throwing stuff out. <laughs> no. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm smart enough to know. It's like, well, I don't need to put anything on Twitter right now. Even in your career and and public life, oh, which is yeah. one one trillionth of the president of the United States. But yeah, even in if in someone as small on a smaller a stage as we are. We wouldn't go like, well, I'm just going to get on Twitter. And I don't mean, I don't have that. But if yeah. I did, I'm just going to get on there and spout this or that. Yeah, like, Even sure. we know better than that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's something about defending yourself and standing up for yourself. But lashing out is going taking that too far. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I agree with like you. Like revenge, revenge stuff. Yeah. Like revenge is a pretty low level. That's something that is in our reptilian brain that's really low yeah. thought process. I got to tell you, man, that's my personality. Not so much revenge, but just grudge holding. Well, that me too. I've done that. Oh, dude. I, I try to not. I yeah, mean, it's hard, I'm, man. I'm trying less and less. Like, I'm like, so I've even done this and I'm not proud of it. I've had people that I was disgusted by so much. I would see them in the grocery store and I was like, well, I don't want to talk to them. Whatever it takes, I won't talk to them. Oh, I dude, me too. So I grabbed my phone. <laughs> Have you done this? I already know what you're going to say. Yes. Pretend conversation. Oh, for sure. Oh, you yeah. turn the ringer off first, uh, so it doesn't yeah. actually ring while you're on it. I, sometimes I remember to do that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to hang out this weekend. Oh yeah, medium rare. Yeah. Oh yeah, me too. That's the only way to take a steak. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. didn't really elaborate. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. No, oh, I'm yeah. the same way. I don't. I don't think I've ever went out of my way to like harm someone and get revenge. But I am. I consider myself the master of being screw well, that, yeah. screw that guy, yeah. and just cutting them out. You but know I, what I mean? but I, what I was trying to say is like you know I don't do that anymore. I'm like okay, well if I have to talk to him, I'll talk to him. And you know Robin Williams had a great quote. Um, he's no longer with us, but um, he said everyone's fighting a battle in their mind that you will never have any idea what's like. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I, you know, I try to get to where, you know, I know I have my personality flaws and, and when I, I used to just be like, man, I don't like them because of this. I'm not going to talk to them because you know, but now it's like, yeah, there's a reason why they do that. There's a reason why, you know, they push people away. No fear and stuff like that. <laughs> anyway, there's a reason why. So, I mean, maybe I can be, you know, I got to practice what I preach because even it, it's been about a year ago, but I told a student one time that, uh, well, I can't get into the details, but there was a kid going through something really bad. And this other kid would, was the, was I bullying. It was bullying. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't the type that, you know, everyone thinks of. 
It was just comments here and there, and everyone would laugh like here and there. Oh, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't okay. like daily, like relentless. But this was a kid that would make the comment and the other people would laugh because I would hear the comment sometimes. Um, so, and we had multiple meetings and multiple. And one day I just said, listen, you know, you don't want to be the one more thing, the one more, you don't want to add that one more thing mm-hmm. on. Cause I mean, just think of anyone that's going through something really bad and then you're the one more thing. Do you want to be the one more thing? You know, that's that, a good, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. It doesn't seem like that big a deal and it's something little, but it could be huge, mm-hmm. you know, so don't be that. Yeah. Anyway, I've had a th- I've had a deal on my mind, and, and we'll get back to it just after this. Uh, about striving, uh, and look, I'm uh, here. I am on my soapbox, but I, I I'm listening to myself as I preach. Sure. And I am a yeah. ordained minister, by the way. So don't forget this. People. You need to listen to what I say because it carries some clout. Yeah, and he will marry you, and we will do a live podcast. No, he won't marry you, but he will perform, perform the, ceremony. the ceremony. Yeah, he might marry you. I don't know. No, I'm good with polygamist. I'm good with one wife. <laughs> she's 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 enough for me. So, but anyway, he uh, he will perform the ceremony, and we will do play by play, and you will be married on a podcast. Yeah. So uh, that's still open. But for my, free. My my message tonight, and I like I said, I've been thinking about this. Try to be a quality person, and by what what I mean by that, and 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 I agree with you with what you said. If someone is a curmudgeon, they're there's everyone's going through something there. They could just be going through something, but, but, but I firmly believe and not a very large portion, a very small percentage of the world, but I really truly believe that some people are just shitty people. Yeah. And yeah, there's, we could get into reasons why, like maybe their childhood or whatever things have happened, but some people are just shitty people. Like you, if they tell you something, it could be true or not. Who knows? Uh, they don't have any integrity. You know, they're mm-hmm. maybe just out for themselves. Uh, some some people are just shitty people. So just try to be a quality person. Just like that's what I strive, man. Yeah. And I haven't always been. God knows that, but doesn't matter if 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 you don't have like a clean record. Yeah. Yeah. Like your teacher at the end when you graduate says, "Well, you can't graduate because in fourth grade you got an F." Yeah. Well, no, you screw up at times and then you learn and then yeah. you do better and just strive to be quality. Per- I want to be one of those people where if, if I tell you something, then you're like, oh, it, it, yeah. it means something. Yeah, that's right. Well, it must be true because I, I mean, I don't think he would just say it. Yeah. I just want to be one of those. I know people and, uh, like that. I think that. you are. I got friends that are Actually, people. Actually, I know you are. You're a person like that to me. And I was like, well, I mean, you're not just going to tell me something if it's not true. Yeah. And I mean, that's like, look, that's why you're literally my only friend. <laughs> no, and I'm not even kidding. I mean, I have, and I have other friends. I don't want other people to hear this and be like, what? But I have other friends uh, that we come together for purposes. Like, I don't know, the, the guys in my band. Yeah. We're friends, but we've literally never done anything yeah. outside of music. Yeah. Uh, I've got other friends, I guess, that work. But I mean, outside of work, I've literally never seen you know, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same. It's, it's, it's. It's just that that level of trust and that level of, you know, and just we said this before in the same thing on the podcast, like we can say what we want to say on this. Yeah, because we're saying it to each other and a few people listen and we're cool with that, too. Um, So, yeah, you should be able to be yourself and you really just want to be around people sometimes where everybody knows. you. No, (laughs) no, you really want to be around people that they won't you don't feel any judgment. Like you say this thing and 
you just know instantly in their head they're not thinking, yeah. oh, man, that was a crappy move. They're going to say, instead of thinking that, they're going to say, man, he did that, but he's a human and he did that because humans make mistakes, right? Right, So yeah. everyone wants that safe space, and that's what you have with a good friend. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, obviously a spouse. But, uh, yeah, don't you think, though, people, like you said, they're legitimately, legitimately bad people? Um, and I thought you, well, what'd you say? How did you word it? Like, <laughs> I think we'd I have just to go back. Just shitty people. Oh, shitty people. So, uh, <laughs> but I really believe don't you like think anyone that is trying to hurt other people, don't you think that they've been hurt in some way or they are hurting? That, for, yeah, that could would be you, the case. Would you, would you go in a, what, with like a hundred percent or would you say like nineties? I mean, would you think maybe, and this is nature versus nurture again, but do you think there's a small percentage of people that are bad people, but you know, they have the structure in their life to where they could have been a good person, but just maybe chemically they're not, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. That's I've, tough. I've just, yeah, I've known, I think about that sometimes. I've known people that had every opportunity to like, to not be yeah. a shitty person. Yeah. But just continued to be and all what, you know what I mean? Well, so the easy thing in the moment is sometimes to make a bad decision. Actually, a lot of times it is. Yeah. A quick decision, if you make it quick and you don't think about repercussions, usually you make that decision and it's a bad decision. But if you always kind of think about the future a little bit, so I mean, I, I think it boils, I think a lot of it boils down to that. Like, well, I could do this in the now and it'll be awesome right now, but it's going to hurt people's feelings later. Yeah. I think people that you're talking about that are just crappy people, I think they make bad choices all the time like that. I think their whole life's like that. Yeah. And part of it's like, well, I don't care what other people think. And when you're not empathetic, that's bad for everyone. That's a huge thing right there. Yeah. So empathy, we talk about empathy a lot on this podcast, but even, even, and people think it's stupid, but even, you know, that little ant that you're just crushing for no reason. I mean, and, and I didn't always feel this way, but I do now. Like, you know, that's a thing that, that, feels that, you know, he's just minding his own business and stomp, yeah. you know, or the spider or, you know, Oh, there's a snake. That's, that's not poisonous. Let's chop its head off. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, I think some people are, maybe they've got a better imagination and they can put themselves in other people's shoes and they don't want that for themselves. So they know they don't want that for them. Right. So, and there's, I don't think there's people that, that don't do that. And, and that's, that's a major difference. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And look, I'm not, and I'm not talking about anyone specifically about being shitty people. I've just, you know, we've all encountered people in our lives that were just consistently, you're just like, yeah. damn, this is not a good person. Just strive to be a quality person. That's just a quality. That's, person. Yeah. Uh, any, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that's, that's obvious stuff. That's obvious sauce, but take a <laughs> dab of it and put it on your chicken wings. Yeah, maybe that all goes to, oh, this is, uh, is, yeah. So just turn it off, guys, if you want to listen to Bermuda Triangle anymore, because I want to tell another story. <laughs> oh, no, I'm ready. But what's so funny is about, like, my wife and I, I was talking about quality people. Uh, we, I guess we have social anxiety and don't even know it. Because, you know, other than me hanging out with you, doing this podcast, and we hang out outside the podcast sometimes, 
Um, and we have another friend. Uh, she was just over the other night. She's a, a doctor and she was making house calls in the area. So, and, and, and sometimes she'll do that and stop by and have dinner with us. And that's super cool. She's actually a listener of the podcast. You know, so hello, Dr. Shout out. Yeah, shout out to her if she's listening. Which she, I mean, not right now because I've met her a handful of times. Super cool. Yeah. Person. Yeah. So yeah. She, she can't be listening now unless she's literally outside the door because we haven't <laughs> uploaded yet. But anyway. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we've peopled more in this past week than we have maybe in just forever. Uh, my my sister and her husband the other day were like, hey, on whatever night, you should come by and we'll do game night. Because every once in a while we'll mm-hmm. go and it's us four and we'll play Scrabble and just play silly yeah. games. And, that's, and then we'll leave. Uh, so we, <laughs> you should have seen the look on Jessica's face. We pull up to their house and there's just like several other cars there. <laughs> and she looked at me and she was like. What the? <laughs> you did not say, and I was like, I didn't know. I did. He didn't say. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know. And so we sit in the car for a little bit. This is because we're just so not used to really. Did you drive out. away? No. Oh, okay. But we sit out there for a little bit, just like, oh, what do we do? You know. Oh, okay. We'll just uh, we'll just go in. We'll just go in. You know, this might sound silly to someone who who you know just hangs out. I could see myself having a conversation like that. So like, we go in and. uh and we we didn't even like eventually we we hung out and okay for long story short uh these it was two other couples that my sister and her husband hang out with and come to find out we kind of met them off and on through the years cuz they've been friends with for years and mm-hmm. they're really cool yeah. sweet genuine nice people and we just played board games and had a silly time and and within like 30 minutes we were both like oh this is a, a blast you know this yeah. is so fun yeah uh it's just so funny cuz you know we even got relaxed enough to where we told them you know Jessica was saying God, when we first pulled up we were like <laughs> screw this. Yeah. Like, okay. You call them and tell them we had a blowout and we didn't make it or, you know, <laughs> but we forced ourselves to go in then there and be like, that. yeah, but we saw you. <laughs> well, you're we, up. we saw you arguing in the car for 10 minutes in our driveway. And then you left, <laughs> but it ended up being a great time. I don't yeah. even know how we got, but yeah, then the very next night, our friend, you know, like I said, she was out making house calls and she came by and had dinner with us. And then here you are doing a podcast. Yeah. And I think someone else even stopped by in the meantime. So it's just so weird because it's my wife and I, we can be sitting there and there'll be a knock on the door and we'll be like, who in God's name is at our house at 6 PM on a Friday evening? <laughs> what fresh hell is that? Who is it? Look out the window. Jesus Christ. You know, that's how. We- <laughs> so tonight there was a knock at the door. And I answer it, and this guy he he says, "Hello, sir. Here's your free gift for answering the door." It's like, oh, you never got a free gift. You got on a my gift d-. for answering the it door. It was like a it was a bottle of Tide detergent. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. And he said, "And we will clean your floor for free if you just let us in, and you know we'll do it for free and no strings attached, and then we'll leave after oh, that." Oh, sure, yeah. And uh, I said, "So lied, total lie." And I just talked about being moral, total lie. <laughs> I was like. Oh yeah, we're about to head out. You know, I was in an hour and a half. Yeah, <laughs> but I said, "Oh, we're about to head out. We'll have to do it another time." And he said, "Okay, well, uh, what, what's a good time?" I said, "I don't know." What I, you got? They tried and to he said, down. "And he said, uh, uh, well, what about tomorrow? About five thirty? About this time?" And I was like, <sighs> "Oh, okay, yeah, that sounds good." And you know, you're not going to do it. You know, so you're not going to let go. As ahead. soon go as ahead. he left, I shut the door, and Jennifer's like, well, "Who was that?" And I was like. Okay, so we can't be home tomorrow. <laughs> you like change your whole weekend or your whole week to yeah. not be yeah. Lights have to be off to avoid. We have the... to be like hidden behind the couch. Yeah, we're not answering the door. It's like I don't know. It's just I don't want to crush his dreams and say no. We don't want to 
our floor clean for free. I know. You're probably the guy. I gave him the bottle back. I was like, oh, I feel bad taking this. He goes, no, it's yours. Free gift. I said, no, I, I can't accept. Yeah. Mainly because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm hiding from you tomorrow. We're going to see you again, dude. <laughs> you just knock tomorrow. I'm going to be ready for you. I'm going to have a, like a Kevin Home Alone thing. Like, yeah. You know. Man, when I, I don't, of course, obviously I don't live in town now, but when we did, have you ever had those those fresh-faced, sweet little boys ride up on their with their little with their little ties, and they're so hopeful, and they're they have such passion in their eyes for the Mormon faith. I guess I should have sled with Mormons because someone listening is probably like, "What the hell is he talking about?" But you know, these kids, nice little boys. Yeah, no, the, these kids. I uh, know, and that's part yeah. of their mission is they yeah. have to go house to house. for some reason they have to wear a suit and tie and ride a bike to your house, and they're so hopeful and they're so ready to talk to you about the Mormon faith. <laughs> yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, they're, they're, they're so, they're so just enthusiastic. Uh, you just hate to break their little hearts. You know what I mean? My friend's dad had a great story about the Mormons coming to visit. I think it was, it was either them or the other, the um, Jehovah's Witness. But he said that he read a long time ago that there are, there are only so many thousands of spots. There is. Okay. So Jehovah's uh, Witnesses believe so that he, there's, yeah. He said he had drank a bunch of wine and they came by and, and he said, well, he said, I'm a pretty smart guy. And they said, oh, really? And and he goes, yep. So tell me about this a little bit, and then I'm going to get all on board, and I'm going to take your spot. You know? <laughs> the You're going to give up your spot for me? Yeah, I'll take your spot. And yeah. Like, well, it doesn't work like that. And he, said, and he was like, oh, yeah, I read that. You know, he, he knew it. He was a really intelligent dude. Yeah. And uh, he said they were, they, he said eventually they, they came in and they talked, and, and they were like, oh, look at the time. And they, we'd better go. Because they would say something. He'd be like, actually, it's this. And he wasn't, he wasn't practicing that. He was just one of those people that knew a lot of stuff. He's they're like, well, you're shaking our foundations yeah. and everything we believe. We better go. <laughs> yeah. There's you see them, you see them a week later and they got a Nirvana shirt on and ripped up jeans. <laughs> hey, you were buy some weed, man. It's like, weren't you just at my house trying to convert me to Mormonism? He's like, actually, heroin is. No, <laughs> but there's weird thing. There's another specific number in the Bible. I think it's 144,000. But that's just not people that can get into heaven. But I think it's like the uh, Jewish people that will be converted, like right before the mm. end times. That's Isn't that many. weird? That's not many. No, there's a lot of Jewish people. So only 144,000. They, they, yeah. Well, yeah. anyway, there you go. <laughs> hey, it's in the Bible. Don't don't kill the messenger. Yeah, I'm not. All right. <laughs> So, Jesus, that was such a long, like, long detour, right? No, it's fine. It's fine. So our our train of thought was lost in the Bermuda Triangle. (laughs) That's a segue. So let's talk about the most famous and maybe the most mysterious event associated with the Bermuda Triangle. Titanic. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) That was north. Yeah, it wasn't even the right ocean, was it? No. Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, right ocean. It was the right ocean. Okay, just very far away. Yeah. All right. So, uh, no, I'm talking about Flight 19, Ivan. Yeah, I, I am not familiar. Does not compute. All right. Well, I'm about to familiarize you. Okay. On December 5th, 1945, Flight 19 was undertaking a routine navigation and combat training exercise assignment called Navigation Problem Number One. Oh, okay. Yeah. The next one, it was Love they were going to call number it. Number nine. Oh, oh wait, I was going to say Mambo Number Five. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you beat me to it. <laughs> it was led by United States Navy Lieutenant Charles Carroll Taylor who had 2,500 flying hours, mostly in the same TBM-type aircraft as used this in this exercise. <clears throat> he had also completed a combat tour as torpedo bomber pilot on the aircraft carrier, the USS Hancock, 
and had also been an instructor. Uh, his three trainee pilots had about 300 hours training. The student pilots on the flight had recently completed successful ex- exercises in the area, so they had flown in the triangle before. So what you were talking about earlier with equipment failure and fuel and this and that, uh, pre-flight checks revealed that the clocks in every plane were missing, which is super weird. Why would you ever take the clock out of a plane, let alone the entire squadron? At that time, most every man wore a wristwatch, which I have right here because I'm uh, part, not millennial, but what is it? I don't know. Hipster. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm part hipster. Just my left wrist is hipster. (laughs) So after we could go alone. <laughs> so after topping off fuel, confirming the favorable weather conditions, and checking all equipment, uh, and waiting on the late arrival of Lieutenant Taylor. By the way, Flight 19 took off from Fort Lauderdale just after 2 p.m. Okay, all right, I'm and, with you. And that's where it started getting squirrely. Uh, early on, the exercise was going fine, just as it had the day before. They flew over Hens and Chickens Shoals, and that's, I guess, a real place, around 2.30 p.m. and dropped their practice bombs without incident. But after turning north, Taylor became convinced that his Avengers compass was malfunctioning and that his planes had been flying in the wrong direction. A fairly sudden front of rain, gusting winds, and heavy cloud cover only complicated things further. Flight 19 became hopelessly disoriented. One of the pilots radioed, and I quote, I don't know where we are. We must have got lost after that last turn. After Navy flight instructor, uh, a Navy flight instructor named Lieutenant Robert F. Cox was flying in the area, he overheard the pilot's radio communications. Um, After informing the air station, he contacted the Avengers to ask if they needed assistance. Taylor answered, both my compasses are out, and I'm trying to find Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, his voice was sounding fairly anxious in the communication. He continued to say, I'm over land, but it's broken. I'm sure I'm in the keys, but I don't know how far down. Okay, so this, for some unknown reason, Taylor thought that he had wandered hundreds of miles off course and was over the Florida Keys. And if you're looking at a map, the Florida Keys are a good ways south of the Bermuda Triangle. Mm-hmm. And the way that they, t- the, the, the flight was taking off from Fort Lauderdale, traveling, let me see, east, and then just over this Hens and Chicken Shoals, or whatever the hell it was called, they were supposed to make a sharp turn to the north, and then eventually they would make another turn and they would land back in Florida. Uh, But for some reason, he thought that they were, and I don't remember how many hundreds of miles it was, but it's really far south, Yeah, over the Keys. Uh, pilots lost in the Atlantic were supposed to point their planes toward the setting sun and fly west towards the mainland, but Taylor had become convinced that he might be over the Gulf of Mexico. He made a fateful decision to steer Flight 19 northeast and hoped of finding, I'm sorry, in hopes of finding the Florida Peninsula, but this only took them even further out to sea. A few pilots had apparently realized this mistake, and uh, one was quipping, Damn it, if we would just fly west, we would get home. They eventually persuaded Taylor to turn around and head west, but it seems that not long after, Taylor changed direction again, saying, and I quote again, we didn't go far enough east, we may as well just turn around and go east again. His pilots argued this decision too, with evidence showing one pilot even breaking away in an attempt to fly home, but the rest of the pilots followed Taylor straight to their graves. The flight's radio transmissions grew weaker and weaker as they flew farther into the Atlantic, and Taylor, seeing that their uh, fuel was running low, was heard saying, and I quote, All planes close up tight. We'll have to ditch unless landfall. 
When the first plane drops below 10 gallons, we all go down together. After this flight, uh, after this flight's communications went to simple static. Wow. Yeah. It's super weird because he was, he'd had combat training. He had a lot of hours of training. He was experienced. He flew, I think just two days previous had flown a similar mission in the Bermuda Triangle. So uh, is uh, what makes sense here? Yeah. Well, I mean, just like, you know, as rational and as, you know, as smart as that, as he was, I, I mean, I, I guess when things started happening, you know, his irrational brain took over. I mean, this is, you know, experience is, a, is, you know, is, is valuable, but there's gotta be a point to where, you know, fear takes over. I mean, we had a fear episode last time, Yeah, but so, that's what I think happened. So you're saying like even the most experienced pilot or person in any field or whatever you're doing is still susceptible to just plain old human error. Lawrence Krauss had a great quote one time. He was talking about something totally unrelated, but he said really smart people can convince their brains into something and they won't budge from it much because they'll convince themselves that makes sense. that they weren't wrong and to begin with. That makes sense. So it's not like just because you're really smart, you're not going to, you know, weigh in all the factors and be like, Oh, I'm wrong. You might use all that brain power to convince yourself that you're right. Yeah. There are, super intelligent people that are, uh, I don't want to touch that. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. That's just are mistaken. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So <laughs> the following is from history.com. The Navy immediately scrambled search planes to hunt for the missing patrol around seven thirty PM. A pair of B that's hard to say. PBM uh, Mariner flying boats took off from an air station north of Fort Lauderdale. Now, just 20 minutes later, one of them seemed to follow Flight 19's lead by suddenly vanishing off radar. The remains of the Mariner and its 13 crewmen were never discovered, but it's commonly believed that the seaplane exploded shortly after takeoff. So, to recap, right after this Flight 19 goes missing, or not long after they send out a, a, a plane to search for them, this plane vanishes. Okay? Yeah. So they're... Um, Flying boats were notoriously accident prone and were even nicknamed flying gas tanks <laughs> for their <laughs> propensity for catching fire. So it may not be like that much of a mystery. Suspicions that the seaplane may have gone up in flames were all but confirmed by a passing merchant ship, which spotted a fireball and found evidence of an oil slick on the ocean. Now, a lot of people will leave that out, too, when, you know, when they say yeah. they, they just want to tell you the flight disappeared. Well, come on. I mean... If if I got into to the Bermuda Triangle, you know, phenomena, I I wouldn't ever think that they just disappeared. I mean, the guy that took the coin from you and you know it's gone. It's it didn't disappear. I don't care how good he seems like he is, you know. Just tip him, give him five bucks. If he's a street magician. He'll give your coin back, uh, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> no, he got five and 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 a dollar coin, so he got six bucks for you. <laughs> But but I'm what I'm just saying is like I don't get how you go so far to be like they just vanished. I mean, come on. They're at the bottom of the ocean. I mean, I don't know. Now, the rest what put them there? That to me that's the debate. Yeah, sure. Like what what crashed them? What sank the boat? What crashed the plane? Why did they crash? Why <clears throat> did they get disoriented and run out of fuel? Right. But, you know, the whole thing where like, poof. You know, they simply vanish. The ocean's a big place. People. Yeah. 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 So, um, and that's, that leads to the, you know, it's, it's not like they can be like, Oh, this isn't working out. Let's land. 
<laughs> and I'm in, <clears throat> I hope the, I'm pretty sure this was the Bermuda Triangle because a long time ago I watched uh, I should have looked this up I don't know why I didn't think about it um, supposedly in that area I think there's super strong un, like undercurrents oh, really okay. deep currents I've heard of things like that that could I even you know, yeah. like if a ship took off on its route and even stayed on its route but but sunk that current would carry it potentially hundreds of miles yeah I've heard of, of undercurrents before. I, yeah. I don't know much about them, but I've heard of that. So, so that's another potential. Yeah. And plus, you know, okay, the plane was last heard and we think they were here. Okay, well, let's take margin of error and then you draw the circle around the oh, dot. That's, that's a lot. And then it's like, okay, well, they had this much fuel. They could have flown this way. So let's draw a bigger circle. Okay, it landed in the water. Maybe it didn't sink right away and it floated. Let's make the circle even bigger. Yeah. So then you're getting into this search area. Every time you make the circle bigger, it's just the chances of you finding that plane are just become just, before, it's all probability. Before you know it, you're like, it's somewhere between Florida and Europe. And then you turn the circle into a triangle and that's a Bermuda triangle. Booyah. You just solved it, man. That's no, the whole- I don't think I solved it. But, but what I think is, it's just like, you know, we have a propensity to, to want to, you know, and maybe it might be kind of even a defense mechanism. It's like, you know, well, my family members that were on that plane disappeared. It's the Bermuda Triangle. You know, something strange. Maybe it's a little comforting to think that something crazy like that, like something, you know, magical happened. Not well. Sometimes we think magical. We were talking about this with the disappearance of Jim Sullivan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a coping. Perhaps it's a coping mechanism. And like, for those of you who haven't heard that episode, uh, he disappeared in the New Mexico desert. Uh, there was a whole thing he had written a song about being, you know, uh, abducted by a yeah. UFO. Yeah. And his wife was interviewed and she said, I'd like to think that that's what happened. Yeah. See, so, so yeah, it's easier. Good, good for her. I mean, if that helps, um, good for these people if it helps. But, um, you know, I don't know. That's just I'm trying to rationalize it. And that's just my two cents. Well, yeah. And by the way, go back and listen to our Jim Sullivan episode. It's if a you good haven't. episode. That's a good episode. We have some music in it and the, the and and you know, put them on your Spotify playlist. It, the other night, you know, it's it's like I got my chimenea burning and I'm out on my back patio and it's a nice night. I'm looking at the stars, drinking a little bit of the wine. And then uh, the Jim Sullivan song came on my playlist. Was, oh, killer. Yeah, this is really cool because I thought back at the episode and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's it kind of had a cool little moment there. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I still listen to Jim all the time. It yeah. wasn't just for the episode. Yeah, that's cool. So at first light the next day, the Navy dispatched more than 300 boats and aircraft to look for Flight 19 and the missing Mariner. The search party spent five days combing through more than 300,000 square miles of territory, which sounds like a lot, but if you look at the map, it ain't a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even just saying the... Bermuda, drop in the bucket. It is. The Bermuda Triangle itself is 1.5 million, and so 300,000 out of that. Yeah. They just vanished, quoted, uh, was, was quoted David White as saying, and I guess he was a naval lieutenant. He had hundreds of planes out looking, and we searched over land and water for days, and nobody ever found the bodies or any debris. A Navy Board of Investigation was also left scratching its head. While it argued that Taylor might have confused the Bahamas for the Florida Keys after his compasses malfunctioned, it could find no clear explanation for why Flight 19 had become so disoriented. Its members eventually attributed the loss to causes or reasons unknown. Yeah. Which is just a fancy way of saying, I don't know. Well, you put that in a report and that is to some people, I'm sure it really strokes the, you know, Oh, for sure. You know, conspiracy theory time. Yeah. I don't know if this is a conspiracy theory, but 
whatever. It is. I think so. Yeah. A lot of curious and unexpected events led to the disappearance of Flight 19, but at the center of it all seems to be Lieutenant Taylor. First off, he uncharacteristically showed up late that day, and even after arriving, seems to have been reluctant to go on the mission. He supposedly said, and I quote, I just don't want to take this one out. So, was he not feeling fit for duty that day? Another question is why none of the pilots utilized their rescue radio frequency on their plane's ZBX receivers, both of which would have helped lead them back to the Navy radio towers on land. They were never, or they were, they, they were even told to turn these devices on, but I guess they either never heard the command or they ignored it. So, that's just, just so yeah. many out of turn, really screwed up. Well, weird. think about, like, think about it when you have the flu. Like, or you have a fever or something like that. Um, you're not yourself. You do some crazy things. Uh, you know, you, you say some crazy things. So there could have been any number of things. We talked about how he's an accomplished pilot, but there could have been any number of things that was going on, that were going on in his head yeah. that made him, you know, not a hundred percent that day. What flight do you remember? Maybe last year or the year before there was that flight and it was an international flight. I want to say it was over Switzerland or Sweden or something. And the guy was suicidal and it was, it was like a seven, three, seven or something. And he just took it down. He just took it down oh, I into the mountains. I'm not familiar with that. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's I, crazy. I can almost, you're, you're kind of the aircraft, the airplane crash guy though. Guess what? What? This goes back to our dreams episode. Yeah. I had another plane crash dream the night before. Last. Oh, you did? Yes. Big plane, little plane. Uh, it was, was a like? small, it was a Cessna this time. Okay. How weird is that? But yeah, yeah. And, and this doesn't make sense. But if if anyone hasn't listened to our dreams episode, I've had a reoccurring dream ever since I was a little kid of being outside and seeing a plane crash. Yeah. So in this dream, really quick, I was outside the home where I grew up and my mom was out there and it was just like all the other ones. You hear the plane and it's, you know, it was a different plane. Like I said, it was a Cessna this time, a little single engine Cessna. And it crashed almost into our house, just like right in the driveway and fireball rolled by the house and debris going everywhere. And I woke up. So, you know, there's even been a year or two between uh, gaps sometimes. Yeah. But it never fails. I always have that damn plane crash. See, and have you ever like, you know, read why you think you're having that? Have you... Have you done one of those things where you've interpreted the dream? Or I think whatever? we tried to interpret it on that episode. We looked up plane crashes, oh, that's right. but I don't yeah. remember what it said. Yeah, we'll have to go back and listen to that. Yeah, but it's usually so. something ultra metaphorical, like if a plane crashes in your dream, it might be you're scared of a new venture going <laughs> up in flames or crashing yeah. or some stupid yeah. crap like that. But then we figured out that dreaming was problem solving. Yeah. You know, some they're doing some scientific research on the things you see in your dream are often symbolic of a problem you're having and you're trying, you're working out solutions to that problem. And even if it's not that, and I think I've watched something recently on this, even if it's not a problem that you're having then it's like your brain is, is basically learning like trial and error. Like, like you're doing this thing in your dream. Oh, that didn't work. You're right. doing this thing in your dream. That didn't work. Even if it's not anything that's going on in your life right now, it's just a way your brain is getting better at, solving problems. Or Isn't whatever. that cool? Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. God, we're prolific. That was a good episode. So good. this <laughs> wasn't a dream, but I just thought of something when you said that. Uh, when I was a kid, I had a book on airplanes and like airliners and stuff like that. And uh, I remember going outside 
and thinking, okay, so if a, if one of those big planes is laying right here, how long would it be? You know, how how what would be the wingspan if it was setting right here? Yeah. And I'd like get a tape measure, and you could only go like eight feet at a time. <laughs> eight, <laughs> took a 16, while. You know, and you know, it was like a hundred and fifty feet or hundred and twenty wow. feet or whatever it was seven twenty seven or seven thirty seven or whatever. Yeah. And then I'd even like I remember thinking, well, I grew up on a chicken on a chicken farm. So I'd be like, okay, so if a plane was flying really low, its wing hit this chicken house, would the other wing hit the house? And I'd like measure it out. Really? Oh, it would hit it. It would be crazy. <laughs> it's, and I'd, I remember just like staring, looking at, it's crazy that the wing could hit there and here, you know? Because they're so huge. Yeah. yeah. I was just trying to visualize what it'd look like if it just like flew really low. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. I don't know. It's kind of, that's kind of scary, you know, in a way. Ah, those things fascinate me. Anytime, yeah. anytime, because my wife will, will go on, uh, trips for a job sometimes and uh, I'll have to t- drop her off at the airport, but I almost always kind of hang out and I want to go over next to <laughs> yeah. the chain link fence where the planes take off. Yeah. Cause it's just so powerful. Yeah. It's just so crazy to watch. When I was a kid, every time we went to Tulsa, we would go by the airport and we'd stop by the road. Of course you can't do it anymore. There's signs that say, you know, do not park here. You right. know, FAA it's since nine 11, all that stuff. You, they want to keep the area really safe. But I remember we would like set, in lawn chairs and the big planes would come in and you could see them. They just seemed like they were so low and it'd be like, almost like Wayne's world style. Yeah. I like Wayne's world. Yeah. yeah. Whenever <laughs> Wayne's world came out, I was like, "Whoa, that we used to do that one. Of course I was still kind of was a kid when Wayne's world came out. So, uh, yeah, I, that's air airplanes fascinate me for sure. Yeah, definitely. So speaking of airplanes, uh, now tell me when to when do we need to cut this thing off? Because I've got look at all this. I mean, we can go for a while or not. Yeah, we're at one oh four. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, keep going. I don't know if any, I honestly I've listened to maybe thousands of podcasts, and I don't know that I've ever heard them talk about how long they should go on the podcast. Yeah, well, we're we're not like those. <laughs> we're cutting podcasts. edge. Yeah. Well, I guess on Rogan sometimes he'll be like, man, we're, li- we're like the podcast talking to the the you know love interest. And we're like, well, I'm not like the those other podcasts. <laughs> and then, uh, and then, <coughs> this podcast gives the significant other a hug and then a kiss. You know, that's how that's how you, that's how it drew her drew her in. You know, <laughs> we're not. Like I'm other more podcasts. sensitive. Yeah, this podcast will pay attention to your needs. <laughs> so, what do you got? All right, so back on track here. Electronic fog. Pilot Bruce Gernon and his father had been flying to Bimini in the Bermuda Triangle when Gernon observed what he described as a strange cloud with almost perfectly round edges hovering over the Miami shore. And I think that could have just been pot smoke from, you know, like, what if it was spring break or something? Okay, not a good joke. Let's go on. Gernon claims, and he heard Miami Sound Machine. Uh, He claims that he climbed 11,500 feet in an attempt to fly over this weird phenomena, but soon realized it had wrapped around him and he was now traveling through a sort of tunnel. The inner walls of the tunnel were a series of lines that moved counterclockwise in a spiraling motion. Gernon's visibility was an endless sea of gray within the cloud and all of his navigation systems on board his plane were unreadable. Just a few minutes after coming out of this fog... ATC operators informed Gernon that they had located his plane over Miami Beach. The problem here is that Gernon and his father had only been in the air for about 40 or 45 minutes. The trip to Miami Beach would have taken another half hour longer than that. So this seemingly impossible trip has only added to the mystique of the 
Bermuda Triangle, and Gurnan ended up calling the strange tunnel that he had flown through electronic fog. Hmm. What do you think about that? Maybe he got in the jet stream, you know? Okay. A hundred mile an hour tailwind. Okay. That would know. definitely help you. But usually it goes east to west, or west to east, sorry. Um, but I don't know. Okay, well. Or, you know, yeah, I don't know. That's Some have theorized that he was traveling through what is actually, have you ever heard of a roll cloud? No. Uh, that is literally a cloud that has formed a rolled formation, kind of like a giant tube in the sky. I've seen some pictures of them on uh, Google. Or I Googled some pictures of them, I guess would be the proper thing to say. Um, it's it's possible, but apparently very rare. Uh, it doesn't account for how Gurnan seemed to instantly cover all those miles to show up suddenly over Miami Beach, though. So that's weird. Uh, a possible explanation of this, of what he saw and this type of phenomenon is called St. Elmo's Fire. And I don't mean the terrible, terrible, terrible 80s movie. But a good song. Yeah, but that movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a, ter- it's a, yeah, it's a bad movie. Now, look, I love the Brat Pack. I love yeah. Pretty in Pink, uh, 16 Candles. I'm all, I, those are great. I love those movies. I, St. Elmo's Fire is unwatchable. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I mean, I, I know. I, a sweaty Bob Lowe, like playing the saxophone. <laughs> It's just on. Anyway, I'm sorry. I won't crap on the movie anymore. Speak it's just, for yourself. It's unwatchable, man. Yeah, I've, I find it fantastic. I rewound that part 14 times. <laughs> the definition is a weather phenomenon in which luminous plasma is created by a coronal discharge from a sharp or pointed object in a strong electric field in the atmosphere, such as those. <laughs> Are you getting this from a romance novel? <laughs> The one with Fabio on the cover. <coughs> Ready? <laughs> Luminous plasma is created by a coronal discharge from a sharper pointed object in a strong electronic field in the atmosphere, such as those generated by thunderstorms or created by a volcanic eruption. It was. <laughs> it has been described in many <laughs> works throughout history uh, by such notable figures such as Julius Caesar, Charles Darwin, Nikola Tesla, and Herman Melville. Uh, During a University of Alaska research flight over the Amazon in 1995 to study sprites, St. Elmo's fire was observed and its optical spectrum was recorded. It was also experienced in 2009 by Air France Flight 447 as it traveled from Rio de Janeiro to Paris. They reported the phenomenon 23 minutes before crashing into the Atlantic Ocean. However, supposedly... The two are not connected. Oh. Yeah. Supposedly. Supposedly. He he did air quotes on supposedly. You're damn right I did because supposedly. (laughs) So that's pretty much all I got. I got like a little bit on Atlantis, but you know. The lost continent. It didn't even exist. So, you know, I didn't feel like. Yeah, I've never seen anything definitive on that. Um, You know, I I don't know. Well, Uh, yeah. So, Okay. I'll read the one paragraph I have. Sure, go ahead. Because a lot of people will associate Atlantis with the Bermuda Triangle. The legend of Atlantis originated in Plato's works, Timaeus and Cretius, I believe, written in 360 BCE. But the idea that Plato's mythical civilization was an actual place didn't seem to surface until 1882, when Ignatius Donnelly wrote his book, Atlantis, the Antediluvian World. Many writers would take Donnelly's ideas and run with them, including Charles Berlitz, who in the 70s began claiming Atlantis was actually a real continent 
that had set off the Bahamas and had sank into the ocean, placing the blame on the notorious Bermuda Triangle. Supporters of this theory point out some curious-looking rocks off the coast of Bimini Island that they claim are man-made walls and roads. However, it's generally accepted that these were just natural rock formations. Yeah. Um, I, did, I, did, let's, I don't want to talk about the, Bermuda, the uh, Atlantis... I, I feel like anymore. I feel like that would have been already discovered and that would be done. I mean, I just think that what we can do now with sonar and all that stuff, I think we would have found. Yeah. I think Plato was just using Atlantis as a metaphorical place. Sure. Because everyone knows the story. They they had incredible technology, but they were very arrogant and mm-hmm. uh, you know, then they were swept away just in the course of, I guess, hours or overnight mm-hmm. or something. Their entire civilization was destroyed and the yeah. continent sank and they were basically put in their place, bitch slapped by the gods. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. So, yeah, I don't think it was that ever. Old, that old chestnut. <laughs> yeah, so. And that's a common tale. Yeah, but, that's that's uh, pretty much yeah, what I so got. so Bermuda Triangle, I just, um, you know, it'd be different if it, It'd be a little different if it w- there was a bunch of land in there, because um, you know if something crashed in there and you couldn't find it on land, it'd be like, hey, that's you know, weird. where is it? You know, yeah. but just the fact that it falls in the ocean and the ocean's quite deep, and you know if there are undercurrents, like you were saying, it just doesn't do a lot for me. But I will say this: the part that I do find intriguing about this whole thing is wire compass. Why, you know, if they are, why do, why do, you know, compasses fail? Um, you know, there probably are some kind of crazy storm patterns there because hurricanes form there, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's an intriguing area. I mean, there probably are, you know, there are obviously mysterious things that happen there. Um, you know, weather patterns and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's worth talking about and it's pretty cool. I'm glad we talked about it, but you know, the the whole thing about time travel and the the guy flew through the thing was basically a mini wormhole. It's just you know I don't know it doesn't that part doesn't do much for me <laughs> or a mini black hole. Yeah, that yeah. just yeah transported him. Yeah, so you yeah, know what's funny crazy. you mentioned. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I no, you. I was just like <laughs> speaking of that the something that's not getting enough press that I mean it you know a lot of people are talking about it but the first image of the black hole that we captured oh, for sure yeah yeah everything fits in that yeah like everything that we know everything fits in it well like well solar system wise yeah and those of you thinking it's not an image the image is not what you would expect it to be no it wasn't for me it's I mean, red and yellow and, yeah and you know um obviously black in the center but uh yeah um just the the size i mean we can't fathom the size of that thing i mean Obviously, mathematically, it works out to where black holes exist, and that's good for the science folk, you know. Um, but for the common people like me and everyone else, you know, to see that picture, that really brings it home. Um, yeah, it's pretty you know, awesome. It makes it pretty cool. And it took something like all this computing power to make it possible. It's mm-hmm. not like just like, okay, <clears throat> they held the camera just right. <laughs> black hole picture. No. Um, to, to get it, I mean, the amount of light that comes from it is so faint, and plus, so many images had to be interlaced and like time lapse where you let light come in, or not time lapse, like long exposure. You know, there's a, just a lot of complex computing that had to 
work just right to make that happen. Yeah, you know, we we live in an amazing time where what you just explained just happened. Sure. Not to mention that SpaceX just did a successful reusable mm-hmm. rocket flight. Yeah. I mean, seeing the rocket land yeah. was just like, is this a sci-fi movie? Yeah. But, but the sad fact is 98% of people are looking at Kim Kardashian's ass on their well, phones and not paying attention. Really, most people aren't paying attention to these amazing, like, like futuristic things that are going on right now. Yeah, you know, I don't know who is, but and who's not. But you're right; there are people that are enjoying things that <laughs> I don't know how they're enjoying them. Um, it just it's it's just you know I can get on a soapbox about this, but you know you talk to a kid in kindergarten about space and planets, and you you know. You know, they'll Saturn has the one with wings, you know, mm-hmm. stuff in there just like so into it. And then as they get older, they, they, you know, they, they lose that passion for it. Not all of them, but some of them Most, do. Most, I would say. Um, and that's incredibly sad. I mean, people want to blame the education system and it probably has a lot to do with it. Um, parenting, you know, stuff like that is this, but I, I, I'm encouraged because I do know a lot of adults and you're one of them that they get it back. They get that, they get that love of learning back. And that's, that's really cool. And bomb, bomb, bum bum breaking news. We just got a text. Joe, tell about the text. <laughs> so we were, we mentioned her earlier. Uh, my, my wife and I's doctor friend who, who uh, hung out with us, I guess last night and had dinner. Um, but anyway, as we're sitting here, uh, do it recording the podcast, my phone goes off and she says, When's the next podcast? I threw, I flew through the vile one. So the vile vortices part one, right? So, uh, they're all kind of the vile one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I know. No, thanks a lot, Dr. Megan. The vile one. <laughs> anyway, you know, the one where you guys talked about your personal lives. Yeah. Really vile. So we, we have no. so few listeners now that I actually was just like, Hey, we're recording one right now. And I'm going to, uh, we gave you a shout out and I'm going to talk about you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. There no, but go. seriously, she she's super cool and actually has listened to every episode. I mean, like when we upload one, she listens that day and uh that's super awesome. I, yeah. I think that's just so cool. And then yeah. she'll engage, like she'll talk, she'll text me and be like, Oh, I had no idea about whatever, whatever story, you know. And my I mean, I have there's several people, uh my cousin Dana and, and uh, a couple of my sisters that listen. And anyway, thank you all. It's nice. We have such a small group of listeners, we could literally name all of them. And thank all each and every one of them, and it only take like fifteen seconds. <laughs> We're halfway done mentioning We're, all. Yeah, I know, just like three more names, and we'd have our whole base. You know, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's no, fine. really, if that's if if listen, if you folks are all whoever listen, we'll keep doing it, and we'll keep putting effort into it, and trying, and doing research, and you know, doing all this because it's fun. And and even if just friggin' ten people listen, that it it has kind fine. of it has kind of a. I'm in the next room and I put the cup on the wall feel. It's two guys talking, but there's other people. They're like, mm, okay. what are these guys? Oh, know. that's a weird poop story. They yeah. tell a lot of poop stories. Yeah, they do. Wow. I didn't know that yeah. about him. Okay. Yeah. Get a load of these neighbors. <laughs> the Dawn of Mantis guys. <clears throat> so, yeah. Well, that's it for Vile Vortices Part 2, Bermuda Triangle Edition. Uh, anything else on this one? No. No, how about you? No. I'm no, all tapped out. I, yeah. I have nothing interesting to say whatsoever. <laughs> tapping. Tapping. Yeah. 
It's over. <laughs> I'm saying uncle. It's over, Vince. What, Vince? No, what, who's the, uh, John, Big John McCarthy? <clears throat> Big John McCarthy and Herb and Dean. it's over. Don't forget Herb Dean. Oh, yeah, I like Herb Dean. He was on Rogan's podcast the other day. That dude is super interesting. Yeah, he, yeah. I, I, well, I don't know. I don't. I haven't listened, but he seems like he would be. Yeah. I need to check it out. Here, oh, another thing. Let's just talk about this for a minute. Two Go. more things. Two more things. Go. You know, I was talking about, I was watching the uh, the uh, uh, Roman Empire documentary. Sure. We always hear about Julius Caesar, and you think about just this guy that kind of got a little bit of a big head and then got stabbed to death in the Senate. But man, you should watch that that series on him. Yeah. I had no idea that he started out as basically like a slave. Uh, his family was like really prominent, but I guess they took the wrong side in the Civil War and that side lost and, and they had everything taken from him. So he, for, for like, I don't remember how long it was, like 15 or 20 years, he just worked his way up in the military. Like oh, wow. Back then, if you got, even if you were a poor, lowly soldier, if you had enough victory, I mean, the Romans were all about victory. Sure. Uh, if you did had enough conquest and kicked enough enough ass on the battlefield and stuff, he worked his way up. Anyway, it's just a super super fascinating story. That sounds cool. I learned a lot about the dude, and it was just yeah. it's just a super crazy thing. Yeah, that's um, cool. So it's not just all like ro- royal blood and all that stuff. No, yeah. no, for no, sure. No, that's not. cool. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And I only brought that up because we happened to mention Julius Caesar earlier when he was uh, in some of his writings that he had mentioned that. Yeah, uh, yeah. God, there was something else I was going to go to, but I guess I lost my train of thought. I guess yeah. that means the night's over. <laughs> it's over now. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, I, I remember. Oh, good. I'm glad you did. <laughs> I think you want to stop, but I keep going. No, no, no. I want. <laughs> no, I really wanted to know what what the other thing was. Go. Everybody, listen or watch and listen to this documentary about Robert Johnson. Oh yeah, I've seen that on Netflix. I haven't watched it. Dude, yet, watch it. Okay, I'll it check it out. Amazing. Even if you don't like the blues, okay. Robert Johnson was a guy that lived in the early 1900s, and uh, he died in 1938. I'm not going to spoil anything else because it's just yeah. But I mean, you're, so you're a rock and roll fan. You're Eric Clapton. You're whatever. I mean, Led Zeppelin. You, you've, you've, name you've, it. Yeah, you've got you've got to respect where it came from. The they interview so many people on this documentary. Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones. Oh, okay. Worshipped. You know, yeah. Robert Johnson, a lot of a lot, Eric yeah. Clapton, so many. Like it's funny you mentioned him. He sold his soul. That it's they talk all about that. Yeah, um, I think it's called something about the crossroads, but it's about Robert Johnson. Anyway, just watch it. You know, I always like to say when, yeah. I, when I see a cool, like I just watched that documentary on Sam Cooke not too long yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, anyway, music documentaries. I'm rarely disappointed. The the one about uh, Harry Nilsson is amazing. I haven't got to uh, see that one. Yeah, that one's amazing. I mean, I. Instantly became a fan. I always knew who he was. Um, the Beatles, if you ever talk to the Beatles about, um, you know, who's your, back in the day, who's, you know, your favorite act, your favorite singer, songwriter. And they were like, oh, Harry Nilsson, all really? of them. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Um, anyway, and then the Sugar Man one. Searching then, for Sugar Man, yeah. Um, even the new one about Queen, it's not really, a, it's it's a more of a movie but it's great too. Yes, it is. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. So oh, that's a fantastic. I'm rarely movie. disappointed. There's, they have one coming out about Elton John. Yeah, Rocket Man. Yeah, that's going to be good. And then the it's not really a documentary, but music related. I, we're both really excited about the and I forgot what I think it's called. Is it called Yesterday? I don't yes. Yeah. Oh, the Beatles thing. Yeah. yeah. Tell them about that. So the um and you know do you watch you need to watch the trailer, but just to tell you really quickly. There was a guy that basically black blacked out and woke up, and when he did woke up, when he woke up, the Beatles didn't exist. Yeah. So yeah. he's a singer songwriter guy, and he always did like Beatles covers. So he'd play a song, and they were like, "That's amazing. When did you write that?" And he's like, "I didn't write that. Right. Yeah. John Lennon and Paul McCartney wrote that. So, yeah. 
Uh, anyway. Yeah, that's and I like the part you told me. I guess it was just on the uh, the preview where was it yesterday? What was he playing? And the girl was crying. Oh, I think he's either playing. Uh, I think he's either playing yesterday or maybe Hey Jude or something like one of the big ones. Yeah, and the girl's crying, and it ends up. You think it's because the song's so beautiful, but no, it's at the end. It's because she knows he's telling the truth. Oh no, that was what that, song was that? That is from Quantum Leap. Oh really? Yeah. So, oh dude, I'm getting them conflated. Just so, <laughs> so that story is. Yeah, tell that one. That I I had that. He goes that back movie. in time and he tells it. He goes back to his own timeline, to his own house when he was a kid, and uh, he uh, tells his family, "Hey, my the you know my brother, your son is going to die in Vietnam, so we can't let him go right. or whatever." And so they just think he's crazy, you know, because he's just like. I'm from the future, you know, that, that that always happens. That old chestnut. So everyone thinks he's kind of crazy. So he's out on the porch one day and he has a guitar and he plays a, and I don't know if Scott Bakula really sang it and played it. I don't know if it was just like somebody else did it and he just lip synced to it or lip sync or whatever it was called. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he played Imagine by John Lennon and she said, did you write that? And, and he said, no, that's John Lennon. He He's going to form this group called the Beatles. It's like my favorite song. And she starts crying and he goes, why are you crying? You know, you know, he just thought she's crying because it's a beautiful song. It's like, no, because, you know, that you're, you know, you didn't write that song. And now I think it's all true. Because right. You did, you know, I guess because he did so well on it, you know. It's kind of funny because really at the core of that is there's no way your ass wrote that song. Yeah. So you must be telling the truth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, I know that's you the, didn't write that. That's the core of that. Like, <laughs> now you convince me because you suck as a songwriter. <laughs> I've heard yeah. your other song, Jimmy Has Slacks. But, you know, I'm still <coughs> oh, that reminds me of That's, Garth Brooks. I'm stealing that from the Will Ferrell skit. Yes. <laughs> that was so yeah. funny. Yeah. So that's a great skit, too. Oh, yeah. So, okay. I think we've just about chewed all the meat off this bone, don't you think? <laughs> we have. We definitely have. Yeah. And I part just, of the bone. <laughs> yeah. I just kept kidding. But, hey, I had a steak the other day. It was a little chewy. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I have four stories left. I yeah. think I can remember three. No. <laughs> anyway. All right. Yeah. That's it for episode 30. Well, 31. Vile Vortices Part 2. We'll see you next time. DonnaMantis.com. Check us out. Dawn of Mantis, things mysterious, things fantastic. Dawn of Mantis, Dawn of Mantis, things mysterious, things fantastic. Dawn of Mantis, Dawn of Mantis, things mysterious, things fantastic. Dawn of Mantis, Dawn of Mantis, things mysterious, things fantastic. No rhyme, no reason, no doubt. Talk about the things we want to talk about. We got no rhyme, no reason, no doubt. We talk about the things we want to talk about. No rhyme, no reason, no doubt. Talk about the things we want to talk about. We got no rhyme.